Welcome to Shattered Glass. Stories of extraordinary women shattering the glass ceiling. I'm Monica Hirschberger. And I'm Marita Garrett. It's been a while it since has. we've been behind the mics. I know. Lots going on. Lots happening. Lots changing, like right now. Yeah. Right now. Do you full, want to... Full disclosure, yes, everyone listening. I'm days away from having a child. Like days. <laughs> like here. Hours. Yes. Hours. Yeah. We are, <laughs> you literally really are hours away. Yeah. And just to be in your presence, I'm getting yeah. like all the good energy. Mm. I'm learning from you. Baby's nursery looks gorgeous. I may, I may take a nap in the chair. I don't know. <laughs> um, I spent a ridiculous <laughs> amount of time researching a chair but you got the most perfect Thank chair you. though that, like there it's what i spent the most time on so i'm like i feel good that you know yes yes that, <laughs> it was worth it the research so i'm like i'm gonna spend Absolutely. a lot of time in this chair that's true so back support baby support yes all, all the supports all things will be supported yeah and so will the lovely child who in my head is a girl so sorry we'll everyone see. i keep saying she but we are hours away from finding, finding out, out anyway the real the um, true identity i was gonna say should we put money on it but that's not that type of game <laughs> So why we're here today is we wanted to reflect on what we've done in the past three seasons. Yes. And we just want to be thankful for the amazing women that we've been able to interview and give a little shout out to some of our favorite conversations that we've had and mm -hmm. some takeaways that have shaped our lives and the way that the podcast has developed over the years. So it all started 2016. <gasps> 2016. night. <laughs> in November. <laughs> yes. I don't actually even remember the exact date. I think I blocked out whether yeah, it was like the 6th, 7th. But we all know. We all know what we're talking about. We all about. know what happened, what we're talking about, what we're dealing with. <laughs> and, you know, I think that initial gut punch and that heartache of could a woman ever be president in the United States? Are we reaching too high? Is this too far-fetched? And saying, no, maybe it just wasn't this time, but not only for president, there are amazing women doing extraordinary things and, you know, their stories should be shared even more now. Definitely. And it really started with your Facebook message, mom. And y'all <laughs> yeah. know I don't like Facebook messenger. Um, you know, <laughs> now, I, the, know now right. I didn't know at the yeah. time. <laughs> no, no. But for you, I did. And that was before I knew I could take it off my phone. Oh. Um, so I just had the bubble. But all that to say, you reaching out and just saying like, hey, yeah. I want to do something. You know, it came together so quickly. The three of us met and it was like a group project, a dream group project yeah. in college. You know? Yeah, <laughs> Where you're like, hey, I have an idea. We should do this. And everyone was on board and we just like forged ahead and made it happen. I think initially we were thinking that it would be, okay, we want a woman as a president, right? So mm -hmm. like, how, let's step back from there. What else do we want? We want women in all forms of leadership, especially political. Like that was like the major focus was politics. But pretty quickly, you know, we started interviewing people and we had everyone from like everyone. a chef, an archivist, um, roboticist, roboticist, <laughs> yes. like so many different realms that we touched upon. And I learned, I have learned so much from all of the women that we've talked to. It's been such a, a great experience to just like invite people to talk, you know, yes. and like, you, I just learned, I've learned so much. It's almost been a little like self-serving in a way because it's like, <laughs> we've gotten to meet all these amazing yeah. people and then it's like, we ask questions we want to ask. Yeah. Just having them in the space and they've, like you said, have all been just so amazing and I remember each episode so vividly and yeah. distinctly and even, you know, listening over some of the 
episodes preparing for today's episode, I'm just like, wow, oh yeah. Yeah. And it's just hard to believe like three seasons, three years. I know. Like, oh my goodness. Time has flown. It really has. Let's go ahead and get into some of our favorite clips from our past guests. Love it. So we're going to kick it off with Dominique Luster, who's an archivist at Carnegie Museums here in Pittsburgh. Here she is. We really focus on respecting uh, and being the stewards of the Teeny Harris collection uh, and the story that that photographic culture communicates about a history of a people group from you know the 30s to the 70s. We are the stewards and the facilitators of that. We are not the owners or the authoritarians of that story. We are there to respect that story and make sure that Teeny is in the heart of the middle of it. Wow. Yeah. I remember that episode like it was yesterday. And although Dominique has been a great friend for the past uh, few years, I felt like I was learning something new about her and hearing even more gems that she had to offer. Absolutely. I mean, she just had so much passion for the kind of work that she was doing. And she was so good at expressing the importance of women taking leadership Mm. in that realm to be such an integral part of history. And props to Dominique. Yes. Still snapping. (laughs) And next up, we'll hear from Kay Oyegan, screenwriter on the award-winning This Is Us, who's working on Angela Davis's biopic and currently writing for Queen Sugar, which is a critically acclaimed show on the Oprah Winfrey Network. I think the biggest thing is sort of like knowing your worth. It's such a shocking thing to hear out loud and to say, being female, you are aware of your femaleness. Being black, you're aware of your black femaleness. And it's just sort of like, you're constantly in that space where, you know, especially opportunities that come your way, you're just so grateful. And you don't want to do anything to sort of bite the hand that feeds you, which is such a crazy concept because you're working. You know what I mean? So it's just sort of like you're actually putting out things. And trust me, if you weren't doing it well, you will be gone. There's no shortage of individuals who want to do this thing that we do. But there's this level of sort of gratitude. Like I can't ask for anything or I can't put myself in positions for X, Y, Z because I don't want to rock the boat. I don't want to shake things up. But the truth of the matter is I think having that sisterhood, having, and I'm such a community-based person, I think none of this works without your community. Um, And no matter where you are in the space, I think opening your mouth and reaching out to individuals, you'll be shocked that other people feel and are going through the same insecurities, the same fears, the same goals and desires. And once you guys sort of get into a space where you're having a back and forth dialogue, the thing you can create and that's not industry specific that's just sort of like everywhere there's a you know a lot of people who have this myopic feeling like I'm never gonna make it nothing's ever gonna happen and then they isolate themselves but the truth of the matter is you're probably more likely to find other people who feel that same way and hopefully through that connection you're able to you know not feel that way anymore because you see that you have people to sort of like fall back on 
I love the way that Kay talks about knowing your worth and valuing yourself, believing in yourself, because I think that so many women suffer with imposter syndrome, just thinking like, how could I possibly make it to the next level up in my career? Or, um, And I know we've talked a lot about when women are applying for jobs. We don't answer yes to six or more of the questions. Um, Then we just rule our own selves out. Where guys may be able to answer too. Right. And they're like, oh, well, we'll see what happens that we almost self-select ourselves out of the opportunities. Right. And hearing her talk about like her community and sisterhood and the people that she surrounds herself with building each other up, that to me is the essence of life. And that is really what makes life good is having that community around you that can support you and encourage you to become a better version of yourself. And anytime Ava DuVernay or mm-hmm. Oprah Winfrey is in your tribe, Yeah. You're doing pretty good. You're doing something right. So next up, uh, we want to hear from Hannah Ishizaki, who at the time was a high school senior. She's a composer, and her piece was being played by the Pittsburgh Symphony, Um, and not even for the first time, which is incredibly impressive. And she now, a little update on Hannah, she goes to Juilliard, and I think she had just gotten accepted into Yale at our interview. Yeah, but she ended up going to Juilliard, and I follow her on Instagram and make sure that she's doing okay so (laughs) Hannah I hope you're listening and I hope college is amazing in sixth grade um some of my friends were playing the viola and they were actually complaining how they never get the melody so true (laughs) yeah it's so true and so my dad had uh, a couple years before bought finale which was a music writing software to help him learn how to read music and so I decided you know what I'm going to write a piece where the viola has a melody (laughs) I was like Yes. makes me so proud. <laughs> representation. It was really small and not very good, but that's what started me. That's a great music. start, though. <laughs> a good friend. Yeah. I mean, really, to write music for your friends who are upset about not getting the melody. <laughs> for me, for composing, it's a lot of composing every day to just keep it up. And even if the ideas aren't necessarily good, you're still getting ideas out. And yeah. one of them might be good eventually. Man, Mon, she is still one of my sheroes. I, I don't care how much younger she is than me. This was not only an amazing interview, but that amazing period in time because totally. we got to host the symphony yes. while they were playing her selected piece. Yeah, it like, was it was yeah. so powerful. We sat in front of a full house at Heinz Hall, thousands of sixth graders. Yes. Like, oh my gosh. All these sixth graders were only listening to pieces that were composed by women and it was just such a powerful idea for a program it just made me think I'm just so thankful that there are passionate educators out there who think about things like that to influence kids when they're in sixth grade you know at that point early exposure yeah and they'll remember that I'll remember that forever oh absolutely and next up we have Mila Sanina who is the executive director of Public Source absolutely wonderful fresh breath of in journalism. So take a listen. After having worked at CNN International, I, the heroes of journalism, right? I, we live in Pittsburgh, so Nellie Bly comes up, you know, and oh, right. then you think about Christian Amanpour, you think about the names of like foreign correspondents, and you always, you know, as you are looking at uh, like who are the models of journalism, 
small Gwen Eiffel when I had a chance to work with her. That was like an amazing experience because as you are meeting and seeing how these people who we glamorize and in a way look up to, they are real people and they have overcome a lot of challenges and have uh, stuck to their passions and no matter what. And you know, when I have thought about international reporting, what I also realized is that there are certain maybe drawbacks of being an international correspondent, albeit it's very important to be covering the stories and sort of raising awareness of, um, you know, say Americans about what's going on in the world. Mm -hmm. But there is also something about not being an equal stakeholder in the community. As you helicopter out, you know, you sort of gather a story and then you go back and you edit it and you tell a story of somebody else's, you know, people, challenges and all of that. And albeit, you know, this city remains to be very divided and I think uh, deeply segregated. Um, I think that there is something to be said about being committed to a place, mm -hmm. uh, learning its history, trying to understand what drives its people and where do they come from, uh, this exploration, and that you're equal stakeholder in this. You know, it's not just like I'm helicoptering in and just mm -hmm. like gathering stories. I'm trying to um, be part of the community and maybe inspire change in a very small way. That interview was really fun because it was at the Sunstar Festival. It was live, which was extra special. And I think that what really struck me about Mila was how earnest she is and humble about the impact that good journalism has on the world. I just admire so much the way that she views journalism and the power that it has. You know, she mentioned all of those amazing people like Gwen Eiffel, you know, and the, these people who are sticking to their passions no matter what, but also recognizing that they're humans and they're, you know, there's so much to them and thinking about communities. And I think that that is what makes women really good leaders is that we all care about humans. Yes, it's a collective impact. Yeah. The next interview is with Janera Solomon, who we just want to say congratulations she is ending her 10-year career at the Kelly Strayhorn Theater. She's done an amazing job of leading this arts organization and also leading so much economic development throughout this small Pittsburgh community that has been incredibly impactful. So, Janera, congratulations. Congrats. We love you. Yes, absolutely. So it's the perfect transition because she was the one that invited us to that Sunstar Festival. Yes, yes. Um, and now we had a really great little conversation with her so here's a little snippet of it and we should note that this full episode with Janera Solomon has not been released but she is in that lineage of the impactful and amazing women that we have interviewed in some of our favorite moments that has gotten us to these three seasons and so Janera we want to recognize you and not only your work uh, 10 years leading Kelly Strayhorn Theater but as Monica said you know just being so transformational and showing what arts-led development can look like in communities and especially communities that involve people of color. So thank you for all of your dedication and your hard work and you all will enjoy this lovely snippet from our interview with Janera Solomon. When I graduated from Pitt in uh, 
97. Well, actually, I grad- well, I graduated in 97, but then I still had like a credit to pay for, so I didn't get my degree until 98. But anyway, <laughs> I paid for myself. Right, yes, right. I paid, so there you go. <laughs> so anyway, uh, when I did that, all my friends, that was not a time when people were choosing to stay in Pittsburgh. Uh, most of my friends left Pittsburgh, and they were like, what, what are you doing there? And also it was a time where most of my friends were going into for-profit there was like a lot of recruitment from the financial industry at that point on Pitt's campus. Uh, and I thought about that for a little bit because I had an economics background, but I decided no. So there were just all these other choices that were put in front of me. But, you know, I I just, I always felt, first of all, I love art. I mean, I love creative expression. So for me, it's just a na- maybe it's a natural thing that I would end up working in it. But when I went to Pitt, I actually was interested in joining the Foreign Service or being working for the World Bank or for the UN or something like that. Mm, Yeah, so I had like a very different (laughs) thought about myself. However, I really, you know, I had a lot of friends that were artists. My father is an artist. I had all these older adult friends that I knew that were artists. And everybody always seemed to need support. Like they needed someone to write proposals or to set up exhibitions or book gigs for them. And for me, you know, people would talk about that work being really hard. But for me, I was like, oh, that's all. Yeah, that's no problem. We can do that. (laughs) So it always felt very easy to me to do it. So I sort of just I just kept doing what felt what felt easy for me to do as I continued to grow. I think I've always thankfully had many career choices, but I kind of prioritize a couple of things. First of all, I really like my freedom. (laughs) <laughs> as a person. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I don't know who doesn't, but I do. I really like to be environments where I feel like I can be myself. And so that's a longer story than probably we have a show for, but that's always that's very important to me. It's also really important to me to to be able to grow. So this path has provided that. And then I think too, you know, I have opinions about things. There's a way that I think the world should be. So <laughs> working in the arts, it's not that I couldn't have the same impact in, in other sectors. I don't know. But I think art is a way to um, get people to talk about things that are difficult to talk about and to make people feel inspired and make people feel like they belong somewhere. And those are things that are important to me. What I loved about Janera's perspective is that she, first of all, just was really in tune with herself. She really emphasize the importance to find your niche and just jump in. And I think that that is so helpful in thinking about how to be a better leader and how to find your space in the world. And like going back to like the imposter syndrome stuff, you'll have less imposter syndrome if you're doing something in a space being totally yourself. I just, I really love the way she talked about that. No, absolutely. And, you know, going back to that again, prioritizing your needs, understanding what you bring to that so that, you know, that lessens that imposter syndrome. You know, so much is reflected of the output of Kelly Strayhorn and you know her other works and I'm really excited to see what her future holds or what the next step is because I see so much of the community and the best interest in what comes out from Kelly Strayhorn theater the impact that she's had is indelible but I believe it goes back to her being authentic I also 
also love, in addition to hearing and learning from these women, are the various forms of self-care yeah. that everyone participates in, Absolutely. which are so equally important yeah. as we are shattering glass ceilings and continuing to be badass. Mm-hmm. That's a great point. Let's listen in on some of our guests and how they practice self-care. Actually, I'm an introvert, uh, so it is a struggle to be like outside all the mm-hmm. time, but it's part of my job. Yeah, right. And um, I try to preserve as much time as I can to be alone or with people, with my family, with my husband um, when I can. I read a lot. Um, I love reading. Uh, spend a lot of time doing that. I try to do yoga uh, to the best of my ability. Um, not as often as I would like, sure. but you know. Um, and I also sometimes I just go to movie theater, you know, all by myself. And it's actually a good cleansing that um, I really enjoy. Uh, One of the things I started to do uh, several years ago is yoga. Um, That's been my my main thing and try to, you know, fit in walking and and stuff. But it's been a really good thing for me. I go every Sunday, try to do it a little bit more. Like that's always the goal. But the other thing um, that we're doing at the Midwife Center is that we do have a yoga class that's free for our our staff every Wednesday at lunchtime. So as you know, because we're trying to encourage that because yeah, we all are busy and it's kind of hard to fit it in. So we're trying to encourage people to take advantage of it right in our center that's great um and just that half hour yoga could be really nice getting enough sleep definitely (laughs) yeah especially as a a senior in high school in my old age but but, um definitely learning from junior year i get a lot more sleep Mm. well practicing regularly so that you don't feel bad Mm. that you're not or feel like you're Kind of plateauing. I love reading science fiction and fantasy. I read a lot of books. That's a Octavia way. Octavia Butler, perchance? Oh, yes. Okay. Octavia Butler, <laughs> Ursula Le Guin. Okay. Of course. Uh, N.K. Jemison. If you guys haven't read her, she wrote a trilogy, and the first book won the Hugo Award in 2016. That was a fantasy novel, but she's <laughs> fantastic. So she's another woman writer that I just learned about. I also love to be outside. I go kayaking on the river with Kayak Pittsburgh, who is oh, great. Fun. Yes. And I try to go hiking as much as I can. I used to rock climb a lot more than I do now, but sometimes I rock climb. I like to just kind of be outside in nature and find mm-hmm. that balance again. So first of all, self-care, it's not something that you, uh, in my view, that you wait for a special moment to do. Every day should have bits of self-care in it. So I have mine every day. What are they? <laughs> what are Go they? Um, so there are certain things I do that I just have to do. So for example, most mornings, and this is hard because my daughter comes and you know she has needs and there's things that have to happen with her morning routine, but I try to give myself like 10 minutes of um, my own meditation time. I eat breakfast every morning, even if I have an early meeting. If I don't eat breakfast, it's not a good day for me. And everybody (laughs) will know. I mean, they may not know why I'm angry, (laughs) but it's because I did not eat breakfast. And I don't skimp on like just like granola bars or something. I like a full breakfast. Mm -hmm. Um, So that is self-care for me. I love my plants. And I spent a lot of time taking, no, not a lot, actually, because they're low-maintenance plants. But, (laughs) (laughs) you know, you have to know your limits, you know what I mean? Yeah, I like uh, candles, so I light them at night. And my husband doesn't have this same commitment to these routines. I, You have to be committed. So once I light the candles, I am not interested in any more conversations. About 
<laughs> so right. I like night, and then he he'll be like, oh, you know, did you see that report from whatever, whatever? I'm like, mm, not <laughs> interested. Candle lit, lit not. Nah. Yeah. I hope our listeners that you've been able to incorporate self-care into your lives so that you're working self-care into your normal day-to-day life so that it's not a special occasion, so that it's something that you're aware of all the time. And I know it really has like affected me pretty significantly. Um, one of my things is I started going camping once a month. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. That idea came from an interview, you know, mm-hmm. and I and it's been great. So if you guys are looking for something to do. Camping's real Camping cheap. in your um, <laughs> ute, you go, what? Shoot. a ute, yurt. <laughs> the Y word, yurt. Yeah, the yurt. The yurt? No, what is, oh my gosh, <laughs> the tent that you guys, you were in the village, where was the village oh, of this? like the little tiny houses. Yeah. Yeah, but they, we were in a village of yurts one time. Yurt. Yeah, right. there we go. Yeah. I, think, I, I wonder where like, you're going with that. I didn't know, I was hoping you helped me out. It was a struggle <laughs> there, yurt, you go, yurt. Word of the day, folks, yurt. <laughs> what have you done for self, like has it changed the way that you've, taking care of yourself in the past few years? I'm still team nap. That will never, ever change. Um, Still team sleep. Mm -hmm. That will never, ever change. And actually just thinking about Mr. Rogers, everyone's favorite neighbor, got at least eight hours of sleep and he would still nap throughout the day. And he woke up at 4.30 a.m. to start with swimming lap, do his devotional. He would go to bed by 9.30 p.m. So he got his eight hours and he would still nap in the midday. I'm still not getting up at 4.30 or 5 a.m., but I will continue (laughs) to nap and get eight hours of sleep, however that may be. So that, real vacation. So I finally So, you know, a real vacation, I do travel a lot, but they haven't necessarily been like fully self-care and vacationing. So made my way to Costa Rica Mm. in September, a vacation, shout out to the Bay. Um, (laughs) Yes, that is a new turn of events, everyone who's listening. (laughs) Or is it? No, I'm kidding. No. So anyway, um, but realizing that, you know, you do have to, regardless of what trip it is, make some time where there is some sort of retreat or trip just for you where you don't do anything it's mindless um and just recognizing that there's only still 24 hours in a day eight of which i still need sleep right (laughs) and continuing on and actually one of our guests janera solomon said you know no matter what she always makes sure she takes like 15 minutes out of her day Mm -hmm. for something for herself Mm -hmm. and so i really try to adhere to that Mm -hmm. it's so helpful these are just some of the clips that we wanted to highlight from our past three seasons we want to thank each one of our guests because you have added and such a huge part of our dna with shattered glass and so every single episode you know i recommend everyone take a great listen to because there are gems and amazing treasures in each one of those episodes and so kind of bringing this to where we left off with get political which in a way is full circle of why we got started exactly yeah and i think it was one of the first mini series within the series that we yeah. we talked about doing and it proved to be so fruitful there were so much good advice 
from such smart people. Like I was blown away um, by every conversation that we had. And after the whole series was recorded, then we talked to Sangya and Bhavani and they said, hey, the census is so important. How can we get this out there? That was such a powerful movement for talking to so many women about getting involved in politics and then saying like, and there's so much more. Yeah. So that was super fun. And I highly recommend if you're interested in getting involved in politics or not, um, just tuning into those few episodes just to get a sense of what people are doing when they're getting involved in politics and just remembering how Marita's favorite statement, all politics are local. All politics are local. (laughs) And again, you do not have to run for office. You can give your talents. You can share. You can volunteer, uh, participate on a campaign because, again, local government is where it's at. So we want to take this time to thank all of our listeners near, far, and wide for being on this journey with us. It's been a fun run. Thank you to everyone who test out a Skype call. (laughs) Thank you, Sprout. (laughs) That's how we got started, 100 Days of Us. You know, just excited to share and see what's happening next. Yeah. Can't wait. Thank you all so much from the bottom of our hearts. And shall we say it? Onward and upward, ladies. Onward and upwards, ladies. Straight through the glass. (laughs) This episode was produced by Jessica Kaminsky with original music by Anthony LaMarca. Mm -hmm.